you're tuned into the Friday Night Groove, bringing you the finest in soul, jazz, electronic, alternative, indie, and pretty much everything in between. I'm your host, Roosevelt Belton Jr., better known as simply RBJ for short. In this episode, I sing down with Ryan McCray, distinguished Detroit-based DJ, producer, and one of the record label heads for Choose Better Friends. In this episode, we'll be chopping up about his career in music, as well as his forthcoming release titled Blue Irish Bouquet. Before we get to interview though, we want to listen to his track titled Vitamins, and then get into a Ryan McRae inspired mix. The interview follows shortly after, so as always, stay tuned, peace, thank you, and let's groove.
All right, everyone. Right now, I introduce you the Detroit-based DJ, artist, and producer, and one of the label heads for Choose Better Friends Records. Here to talk about his new project, Blue Iris Bouquet, Mr. Ryan McCray. How are you, sir? Good, good. How are you, Roosevelt? Good. I follow you for a minute. I'm really excited we get to do this. Yeah, man. Same here. Appreciate it. So just getting started, early childhood background for Ryan McCray. I read that your progression to music started with learning to play bass in middle and high school. How influential was that in helping you to learn not only how to make music, but the kind of music that you wanted to make? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, I had some traditional training early on, but I think a lot of that I had forgotten at that point. You know, I was always really into music, but you know, some of my, my friends and I, we, we, you know, we were into music and we just sort of got inspired and we decided to start a band. So very next Christmas, we asked our parents for, for instruments. My mom obviously didn't get what I wanted. I ended up getting a guitar, but then I ended up selling it to somebody and bought a bass. I um, essentially, you know, learned by listening to what I wanted to hear and just, just figuring it out. You know, back in the day, they had like tabs and whatnot. Uh, we got a little bit in a, in a sheet music, but it was like, you can't really find too much sheet music and things like that for rock songs or metal songs or whatever, right? So, you know, then eventually I get into like slapping, like playing like funk music. As far as that, as far as that influencing me throughout my life, I really focused, I mean, one of the main focuses for us, any song being good is, you know, the bass line's gotta be tight, you know what I mean? That's like the one thing that draws me in any track the most. And that's like the, the one thing that I always am sort of just like stuck with as my criteria for a good song. Speaking of that Ryan McRae bass line, for someone who had the background primarily in instruments, what first got you interested in making electronic music? When I was in high school, we had moved to uh, Grand Blank, and I didn't really know anybody. So I, I just moved away from my you know, previous bandmates. Right? We were jamming for maybe like three years or so. Right? We, were, we were pretty confident that we were going to be rich and famous because you play the talent show and all the all the kids loved it, right? So we were like, oh, dude, we got this in the bag. But yeah, I ended up moving, kind of bummed out about that. But um, so I was sort of just like by myself and, you know, still wanted to like jam and, and create music, but like finding the perfect bandmates is like almost impossible. Like you jam with somebody and be like, oh, this guy isn't really that good. Or you jam with somebody else and you're like, dang, this guy is too good. You know what I mean? I can't really hang. So then, you know, you just kind of just like end up just like, Plan by yourself some, or you just jam with some people and it might not work out. So I spent like a lot of time trying to make music on my own. I, I did like move to like playing guitar and other instruments like that. But primarily, I, I met a buddy, um, Sean, who lived around the block from me, and he made his own beats. He was a he was a rapper, you know, at the time. He was like, you know, uh, you know, I rap, blah blah, blah. make my make my beats on Free Loops, right? So then I, I got a copy of Free Loops and. And started making beats as well, and started you know trying to make beats as good as his, and then I mean, that's how I really got into production. We started you know making beats and selling them to, to kids in high school. I mean most of, most of the time we were just happy that someone would rap on our beats and we just give them away. We'd have um, friends over 
to like record because like you know the producers always got the recording studio too so you know so we're you know making beats Heather had the many recording booths in the closet you know with the stocking over the over the hanger you know just to just to get it done we came up with some pretty good tracks I and mean, there's a lot of a lot of classic bangers that you know i still have uh you know that we, we made back then that we're pretty proud of but yeah, so I saw getting a production and then uh, later in college I uh, met some friends uh, that were like into electronic music and I was still like you know making music of course just like like really by myself because now we're in college you know same same story as in high school trying to find bandmates and things like that started you know listening to different electronic bands and got inspired and was like you know I can make some stuff like this in the college town I was in there was like no one playing anything like that at all Right, so I was just kind of just jamming out and trying to make some good techno tracks and house tracks and it really got real when I moved to Detroit. So speaking of the Detroit club circuit, you're someone who's well-respected in that scene. How did you eventually get started in that circuit? When I first came to Detroit, uh, Ryan Thomas, Bill DePoe, like another founder of Choose Better Friends, he also moved to the area because he graduated around the same time. Like he moved like to Romulus and then he also moved to Detroit later. So we were jamming out and then like, you know, just comparing stuff and like that's when our game really sort of improved as far as like our uh, production of house music, you know, just sort of sharing influences and things like that, you know, just getting better equipment, getting better software. And, you know, really just like going going out into the scene, like, you know, in Detroit, going to different clubs and whatnot, and just like meeting people, talking to people, networking, just sharing what you do, what you love, and that sort of just builds on itself, right? And you just collaborate with more people. More people hear about the work that you're doing, that they see you playing out, because you get some opportunities that you got from meet, meeting somebody, all sort of stems from that. I'm just sort of being open to opportunities and you know not being afraid to, to talk to somebody. I think the first DJ I met actually was, was at the Red Bull House of Art and I was also with my buddy Keenan. He takes photographs. We worked together at the time and we were just like, let's check out this event. So he went to the Red Bull House of Art and there's a DJ there. That was Keith Kemp. Was, uh, he was he was DJing, and then my buddy Keenan was like, "Hey man, why don't you go talk to him? He's uh he's DJ. You're a DJ. Maybe you can hook me up with some stuff." And I was like, "All right, yeah, whatever." So I went up there and just introduced myself. I'm like, hey, "What's up, Keith? You know, also DJ. Like, what you're doing? Blah blah." So you meet up sometime, whatever. So yeah, I ended up sending him some music. He was he was digging it and was able to give me like, a lot of different feedback and you know ways to improve my production and networking he's given me like a lot of advice throughout the years and whatnot and that you know that really helped me out as far as like things to to do and like what not to do where to where to spend your time and things like that that was one of the main reasons i got into like using actual uh, instruments like you know synths and drum machines and whatnot because originally i was 100% samples i was like all, i mean i still sample a lot i'm not gonna lie i use you know more more instruments and scents and things like that in my production than I used to. But like, like he came over to my house one time and he was just like, yeah, so let me see your setup. And it was just like my laptop. I was like, this is it. He was like, you made all that stuff on your laptop. I'm like, yeah, man. 
I mean, I had a couple of things, right? I think I had like, I had a machine. Still, it's pretty much like 100% software. Yeah, I mean, you got like the machine, but anyways. So yeah, I came over to like, you know, a couple of his friends' place and like saw like some of the you know, equipment that, that they were using. I was like, wow, this is like, there's all, all kinds of different things that, you know, these, you know, producers are incorporating into their, their setup. This was years ago too. So I was like, wow, I need to, like how long is it gonna take me to get all this stuff? You know, I looked up, looked up one thing and I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty steep, you know? So they yeah, start, you know, acquiring stuff, different things here and there, might get a good deal on like something used or just like, you know, get something new that comes out, whatever. But then again, like, you know, when like my real nature is just like sampling, I sometimes end up doing that. I'm just like, look, I have this instrument, I end up sampling the instrument and I'm just like now back into the computer, now back in the software, just like, you know, changing that up to make it, to make it what I want really how I started just like making moves, mainly just like it's about networking, you know, not being afraid to get yourself out there. It's like, you're gonna get out as much work as you put in, you know, so you, you wanna get some opportunities, you gotta go out there and get them, talk to folks that you think are doing stuff, and, you know, you'll see them out in the community, making things happen. So just, you know, ask like, how can I get involved? How can I help? You know, is, there, is this something I can participate in? connections eventually built up to you make an appearance and movement in 2016 correct yep that's right so how influential was that for your career going forward as far as just affirmation and you were someone who just established yourself a scene to get to a really high point for Detroit DJs yeah I mean one of the one of the biggest honors in my life is as far as the being a DJ goes that's to be honest and it was like one of the greatest opportunities that I've, that I've had really and it was I was surprised I was like wow what an invitation can't believe it I was like are you sure you know there's a was this like a this is a mistake you know it was like all right hey let's do it you know so you know I got super pumped up there's a couple other good friends of mine that played that year too Rebecca Goldberg as you know um, she played and Lauren played right before me so it was it was cool because it was like a lot of people that I've been you know sort of connecting with uh, in the scene, we're also like you're playing together, so we're all like hitting it together for the first time in 2016. You know, so it was it was a fantastic experience. It was you know, of course, I was the biggest stage I ever played on in my life too. I mean, I had a couple, couple pretty good gigs. You know, where you have like a you know a nice crowd, but like never a system at large. Of course, I never had movement. It was a huge honor. I just want to see where it, see where it keeps taking me. So moving on to Choose Better Friends, which is an imprint that Blue Iris Bouquet is being released on. I want to talk about this label for a minute. So this is a label you started with Bale Defoe, Jessica Peacock, and Phil Minnick, correct? Right, yeah. So why was it important to not only start this label, but run it with each other? So I think I think all all four of us bring different skills to the table. You know, Jessica's really good at like marketing and things like that and like just keeping things together, general organization. Phil has, Phil is like the best like audio mind out there really. Like, like this guy like just tunes everything down to like the most minute unit. You know, he masters all the tracks, really good as far as audio goes, a lot of her shows and things. He um, has the equipment for, or the knowledge for essentially everything as far as audio goes. And then RT and I, or, or Bale Defoe and I, we are, we make, actually we make the most music 
out of the four. Uh, Jessica and Phil are musicians and they do make music, but you know, they'll be releasing something soon. Yeah, like RT and I, we're just like, you know, just, you know, trying to pump out tracks. I mean, the main, the main way that we like started was like, you know, when we were making music, like you sent out the different labels and things like that. And you know, people either, either want to like release your track or they don't. And we were like, well, we love this. We love this enough to where it's like, Something that we're willing to do ourselves, you know, like we can, you know, push the stuff out, push out our own stuff, and um, you know, support other uh, artists and in, in the community that are, you know, trying to get out there. We started doing some research and, you know, started, you know, also networking, you know, again and learning things from other other labels to the point where we're ready to, you know, put it out there and just get started. Bringing it back to Blue Iris Bouquet, your last project, Culture Volume, dropped in 2016. This project is coming; it's already out, correct? Yep, yep. That one, that one's uh, old. That was uh, more of like a like a techno banger back then. I used to be like really into techno. Um, I still am, but I just, you know started like just trying other genres out and things like that. I, like at the same time, I was always in like house music, now called lo-fi house. This is like before before lo-fi was it really a thing. I used to love that shit. I still do. I try not to be like too low-fi nowadays. I'm like, all right, let's just bring the highs back into it. Sometimes just like the nastier, the better, you know, as, as far as like the, the sound goes. But but yeah, back to the culture, yeah, I was like into making just like these, you know, real, real banging tracks. I think my tracks are still pretty up there in tempo most of the time. You know, really heavy kicks and bass lines and whatnot though, melodic grooves. But yeah, this this one is a little bit more, I would say, soulful and more more chords. Yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's a little different than the, than the culture for sure. So getting to the title, why is Blue Iris Bouquet an appropriate title for this project? Well, that's a very good question and I'm glad you asked. It actually came about very randomly actually, so we actually planted some irises in our garden, like maybe like three years ago. They never bloomed, ever. And they didn't know what they didn't know what color they were. We got them from my uh, mother-in-law, and, and we were just like, "All right, I'm gonna just plant these flowers." So then they finally bloomed this year, and they were um, actually purple. So I was like, I was, I was reading about reading about irises, and I learned like irises have like all this like symbolic meanings, right? So there's like like white irises represent like wisdom and purple irises represent something else. And came to, to find that blue irises, they represent hope and faith. And I was thinking like, wow, how appropriate for a time like this that, you know, we have something that you know, at least is like, you know, putting some hope out there. I think hope is what we do need right now, especially being locked in our houses. And some of us are afraid for our lives and, you know, it's kind of rough out there right now. So I think, you know, hope, or something that represents hope, like a blue iris, or if, um, is appropriate. What I hear, I think you hit that on the head. Hope is something uh, definitely a lot of people need. Music is obviously a huge venue for that.
given that this is your first vinyl release, how important is for you that you get to number one, have a vinyl record out and number two, do it on your own record label? Very exciting, actually. You know, I, I look at like a record being pressed as like, you know, artwork just being etched permanently, you know, in the world out there. Like I'm, I'm gonna send these copies out and then they'll just end up anywhere. Then, you know, they could last forever. I mean, I have records that are literally like 40, 50 years old. I inherited it from my grandma who got it from her mom or something like that. You know, I'm just like, wow, these are some pretty old records. And, you know, having the opportunity to have your record that could last 50 years and go around and maybe someone 20 years from now will really love this, love these tracks, right? Um, so I, I think it's, I think, you know, having a vinyl out is a huge honor and just happy to, happy to put it on the label. So I think, I think our label is one that would sort of represent that sound the best. You know, it's just like, you know, over the over the course of, of the years, you know, like we started forming a sound that I think before we would think of ourselves as almost like soundless, right? Like, not like soundless, but we're getting like influences from all over and like we might be sort of biased towards some sounds. It's like what we hear is and it's what we think other people want to hear, right? I think now that we've matured more as, as producers and artists, sure, of course, you still have influences. However, your artistic touch is a little bit more overbearing than it was in the past and strong enough to sort of ring true in your music. What I hear is that when you're a younger artist, you sort of try to incorporate people who are more advanced than you. But as you advance, as you get older and you define your own sound, you don't necessarily look for those influences anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like, you're, I think you give a, you have a, you have a palette, right? Just like when you're, when you have like some fancy cheese for the first time, you're like, wow, this is, this is disgusting, right? But if you become a cheese guy, you know, you, you find that, that I'll call it that, that entry level cheese, where it's like, oh, this cheese is pretty good. And you start getting into the fancy cheese realm, then, you know, you might taste that piece of cheese again that you thought was awful and be like, wow, this is literally the perfect cheese. So it's just like small, like small, stupid things in these songs, right? Like, damn, like that high hat on the fourth beat every time is just like money, you know? It's like, no, everyone's like, yeah, it sounds fine, I guess. It's like, no. That hi hat is that hi hat is mine. Yeah, it's like, like you still get influences, I'd say, but you know they're they're different and 
you know, your taste is, is, is more refined as you mature as an artist, which I think that's true with anything really, not even just art, your skills, you know, like you're, like you're gonna have better taste no matter what. And um, like if, you stick with, if you stick with it, of course. Techno, house and cheese, perfect combination. Yeah, exactly. All right, so just wrapping things up, now that this release is down and venues are slowly starting to open up a little bit, how does the future look for Ryan McRae? And also, how does the future look for Choose Better Friends? I'll start with Choose Better Friends. So we're um, we're going harder than ever, really. Our plans for this year is to put out, you know, more records and uh, feature more artists. You know, we, we kind of all wanted to like put our own record. We, we did a record for uh, for Jayco, right? He was an upcoming artist, right? Um, cool kid, like working with him. So, but we want, you know, we want also want to get like our own records out, right? Like, you know, RT put out CBFR01, 001. I got the third one, the Minix, they're going to put one out. You know, but we want to start start hitting some of the local artists and getting some records out for them. So if anyone's out there and they're, they're trying to drop some dope tracks, let me know how you can put on a record. But yeah, as far as I go, it would definitely be looking at different venues and, and events to play here in the future. I'm not sure how soon, like you said, due to the, the way the environment currently looks, it might be quite a backlog. You never know, I think the international travel is down, so they might be looking a little bit more locally, you know, might be hitting the, hitting the scene harder and sooner than, than we thought. But yeah, we're definitely gonna try to a release party in September when the, when the album drops. Not really sure the, the venue quite yet, but when we do have that all sorted out, we would definitely you know, share it with the world. All right, Ryan, so to wrapping things up, how can people hear more if they really enjoy this record? Yeah, I mean, if you if you enjoy this record, I encourage you to look at some of the other records that we have, uh, like CBFR002, which is a Jayco release, and then also um, Loitering in Public Places, uh, CBFR001, Bell Defoe, also a great track. Bill also has more of his stuff on his uh, Bandcamp. We have the CBFR Bandcamp, Choose Better Friends Bandcamp, music on SoundCloud. Um, just Google us. You can you can find us pretty easily. But yeah, we're gonna constantly be you know pushing music out on different channels. You know, we're gonna start making mixes again. Uh, Jessica just pushed out a, a mix recently, and it was complete fire, of course. She's. I mean, I I personally think no offense to any of the other DJs, but Jess is the best DJ, at least in our group, and I say in a lot of other groups too. I mean, she kills it every time. But yeah, uh, yeah, be gonna look out for the mixes coming out. And uh, we'll constantly be dropping, you know, records and new tracks on, on Bandcamp, SoundCloud, whatnot. So, you know, if you want to scoop them up, that's where you can get them. All right, Ryan, excellent. Thank you for coming on. I really enjoyed having you. I really enjoyed this record. So, do you have any just last words? Yeah, last. I guess my last words is to, um, you know, stay stay positive. It's all to all the folks out there, not necessarily directly to you, Roosevelt, but you know, everybody out there, just <clears throat> stay positive and stay kind or be kind to your neighbor if you aren't kind to your neighbor already. I think you know, this is a time where we need to all band together and, and love one another. Perfect point to end on. Ryan McRae, thank you so much.
my interview with Ryan McRae. If you enjoyed what you heard tonight, please make sure to check out Blue Iris Bouquet, due out on August 22nd, as well as any forthcoming and subsequent releases on Choose Better Friends Records. I want to leave you with a track from that record titled A, and I also want to thank Ryan for a wonderful interview and wish him nothing but the best in the future. Peace, thank you. Check out FridayNightGroove.com for more. And as always, keep grooving.